0: This episode of the Golf.com podcast is brought to you by the USGA. The USGA runs a program called Play Nine that is all about getting your golf game in without needing to play a full 18 holes and all the time that comes with that. For more information, visit USGA.org play9.
1: Hello, this is Alan Shipnuck back with another podcast for the knockdown. It is Sunday evening here at Quail Hollow. I'm joined by Michael Bamberger in a somewhat noisy press building, but it adds to the ambiance, I think. Uh, Do you think we're turning into a bad Saturday Night Live skit here? <laughs> we're going to be like Michael and Alan at the Roxbury. <laughs> to
2: tell the listenership what the guy wrote about our hair.
1: Yeah, somebody tweeted. Um, they, they grabbed a photo of Michael and I put them like headshots next to each other and said, Shipnuck and Bamberg like they have the hair from a 70s cop show, which I would watch. So at least we have that going for us. All right, let's talk about what we just witnessed. It was history, Michael. It was glory's last shot. What do we make of Justin Thomas's victory?
2: Well, he is the modern pro uh, in extreme, Uh, in extreme. Uh, to be that skinny, and we were just talking about this a minute ago, and swing that hard into that stiff left leg. He's everything Lee Trevino worries about in, among the modern players. Um, I don't know how a body can hold up to that kind of swing, but let's just talk about what he but about what he did today. It was extraordinary. This golf course is hard, and you got to keep your ball dry. That'll hold back nine, pretty much, and he stood up there and did it. He was very wise on 10 to let that putt fall. Another more impetuous 24-year-old would have Red ass ran up to there, knocked it in just for whatever reason. That might have cost him the tournament. So it was very, very impressive. Yourself, what'd you think?
1: Yeah, I agree. You know, it's, um, I think probably he clinched player of the year. You know, four victories, including a 59, including a 63 at the U.S. Open. I suppose, you know, Jordan Spieth could win a couple FedEx Cup tournaments and the cup itself but even then he'd only have four wins and i I think i'd give thomas for the start to finish excellence and the fact he contended more majors so 24 year old player i i
2: I agree with you in theory except for this major question whose 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 year would you rather have jordan spieth or justin thomas's meaning would i rather win the open or the pga just yeah (laughs) Just word it that way yeah i would
1: probably rather win a pga royal (laughs) burke i mean a british open at royal Burkdale. but I just think
2: the way Spieth did it, he caught the captured the imagination of really the whole sports world. This is a nice golf event, but it, I don't think it rises to that level. But who had a better year? Yeah, to date, you'd have to say Justin Thomas. Yeah,
1: no, it's interesting.
2: And it's in you you know, your circles do people really fight over these things? Who's going to be Player of the Year?
1: Um, my emotional investment in that is very lo- limited, but it's, it's an interesting question.
2: Do you have that um, situation when you get on plans so people talk about the NFL draft and they're talking about like the 11th round and they expect you to know what they're talking about? No, because if someone asked me what I do for a living, I say I'm in commercial real estate. <laughs> Smart. You tell people you're a sports writer? Never.
1: <laughs> and... That's twice. why i logo
2: free at all times. Well,
1: twice the exactly. Twice a guy said to me, "Oh yeah, me too." And he starts throwing jargon at me. I said, "Well, I'm transitioning out of it."
2: Because yeah, but are you transitioning? Period. <laughs> if that's a, a Bruce, that would kill if that's, a, if that's a Bruce Jenner reference, no, I'm not. That would kill our cop show. <laughs> Although maybe not actually.
1: It's, it's more modern.
2: You know <laughs> what? It'd be a better cop show. <laughs>
1: um, you know what you said earlier about about Thomas's body, whether it will you know and his swing if they can stand the test of time. I mean, this actually came up on Twitter today. I feel like golf has changed so much. You know, this notion that the players are going to peak in their 30s, that, that might have been true, you know, for a different generation where they didn't even get on tour, you know, like a Tom Watson who didn't get on tour and win until he was in his mid-20s. I think today's players they, they peak much earlier and they're gonna burn out faster. Um,
2: no question and they got they got 10, 15, 20, 30 million in the bank. Or oh. 50 or 100 million in the bank, you know, yeah. at this level. Yeah. Or more than that, more, or yeah. a lot more than that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're already hearing Rory McElroy think talking about taking off the rest of the year. Yeah. Can you imagine Palmer's day or Nicholas's day? Lee Trevino's day it would never have happened. For one thing, couldn't make enough money to take off the rest of the year.
1: Yeah, and uh, so, you know, it's it's important for a guy like Thomas to get your major at 24. You know, that starts the, that starts the clock. And traditionally, these guys, everyone wins their majors in, in a short period of time. It's condensed four, five, six years is the window. And so if, if guys are gonna start burnout by 30, you better win your first major at 24. You know, if you get you don't want to be Ricky Fowler, be 32 and still drinking, you know, champagne out of your buddies' trophies. I mean it's 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 now or never in some ways the way golf is, is evolving. And so I mean this is this is a big moment for Thomas. He's obviously been knocking at the door, but it now gets him in that conversation with the Kepka, with the speed. And, uh, you know, these other, these other, you know, a McElroy and these guys who are, are doing it all in their 20s. It's a
2: it's a sprint. Uh, but then what do you do with the rest of your life? You know, we saw that in women's tennis years ago. I mean, those women were so young. I mean, now it's a little different with Serena and Venus going so for so long. But you had 17, 18, 19-year-old kids. And then what do you do with the rest of your life? Uh, yeah, it's a very, it'll be very interesting to watch it unfold. And then to think that there's some kid out there who's 13 who, you know, if we're lucky, we'll be covering that kid when he's when, right. when this guy's better in his mid-thirties and this kid's come along. I mean,
1: that's part of the burnout factor. Is there's is a thirteen-year-old kid and he's already been grinding on the AJGA for you know four years and he's got a track man in his garage and I, that, that's I think that is part of the burnout factor.
2: In actual fact, it would pick a very, very special kid to make now because I think it's intimidating. If you're, you're a 15-year-old kid and you want to get good at golf and you see what this guy did today, it's like, wow, how am I going to hit it that far? How am I going to be that cool under pressure? How am I going to put that well? How am I going to have the rules that well? There's a lot to be done uh, to get as good as this kid did. So I don't want to sound like I'm diminishing what he's done at 24 in any way. It's just... A totally new uh, ball game. I looked up the other day. Now, now, pardon me. Between I just kicked out, not intentionally. The um, (laughs) uh, in uh, now between Jordan Spieth and Ricky, excuse me, Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth, the two close buddies. They now as a better ball team. They've got the career Grand Slam. Yeah. Well, we don't know if you know. We don't know if uh, Jordan Spieth is ever going to win that PGA Championship. It's hard to win a a major championship. Uh, Three is a lot. Uh, But anyway, but we're talking about guys who are twenty, literally twenty four years old. Well, the other day I looked it up. Sam Snead won the third leg. Sam Snead famously never won a US Open. He won the third leg of the Grand Slam in 1946. Now you think of Sam Snead being a dominant golfer in the 50s, we're doing 1946. So I was curious, well how old was Sam Snead when he won that third leg? I thought he might have been a kid. He was 34 years old. Yeah. You know, uh, it's just unimaginable, you know. In other words, we think of grown men being good at golf. These are, in their private lives and their personal lives, these are developing young people, and what's interesting for us as sports writers covering it, we, we watch them develop as, as young people. We've seen Rory grow up a lot. Uh, Jordan Spieth is a freak. He came on as a, a mature, fully developed person. Like he but was
1: a middle-aged guy when he was nineteen. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But what, what's the challenge for you, Alan? You've written a lot. About, you've written a lot of these stories about some of these uh, young golfers. Um, what is the challenge uh, to, to write about them in a, in a meaningful way when they've had very limited life experience in a lot of ways. Well, really
1: the challenge is access because they've come up in an era where the print media has no meaning. You know, a guy like a Phil Mickelson or an Ernie Els or that era, that was, they were way before social media. And then to tell your story, and they're a lot in some ways before the Golf Channel was even in anyone's house. And so uh, it used to be, hey, I want to come do a big magazine story. And they thought they were excited about it. Their agent was excited. Their sponsors were excited. You know, these, these kids in their mid-20s, they tell their own story through social media and through their uh, you know, through their sponsors and, and through more controlled environments. And so they, they don't really have an interest in long-form journalism. They don't consume it. They, they've never really grown up with it. And it's, it's, it's not, it's not a, something of great value to them or the people around them. So that, that's really the challenge is getting them to say yes. Uh, I think, you know, we, we were talking about Spitha off mic. He's unique because he's so smart and you could probably talk to him all day about any number of things and everyone knows about his sister this guy just has a enlarged perspective you know thomas is very glib i love his sense of humor he's, he's hilarious in social media i don't know if he has the same depth it'd be interesting to spend more time with him and find out i think he's a totally agreeable guy and he's he's going to be a classic champion and like everyone loves justin thomas but um i, I don't know if there's a five thousand word story there to write you know oh, yeah he kind of his dad was a, a pro and he had a Grew up in golf, and it's a pretty linear story.
2: Yeah, is there enough life story there for us to to dig our teeth in? But I think you just did hit upon something important. Uh, uh, There's uh, what it would be that phrase. There's there's so much advantage to growing up in the game. You know, to be the son of a club pro, I, I wouldn't have. You know, I'd have to look at a list, but uh, Jim. Well, Jim Furyk never won a, US, a PGA Championship, but he only won a U.S. Open and Davis Love. And the
1: numbers eight, eight sons of PGA okay, pros have you know, won the PGA Championship. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah.
2: No, that, that, that's a big number. I that's mean, a big number. it's just a small. Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's very significant.
1: I, we, we've kind of alluded to Spieth a few times. I guess we should. We should acknowledge the fact he did not, in fact, win the career Grand Slam this week. It was kind of a disappointing week for him for the most part. Um, I thought it was interesting for him to say that I think the PGA Championship is going to be the hardest major for me to win. I mean, it's, it's accurate. You know, it's usually this, this course is a little different. It usually plays a little softer. It rewards aggressive play. The scoring's lower. I think it's harder for him to separate himself on this kind of a try.
2: He is wildly honest. Can you imagine Tiger ever acknowledging that any course was not in his wheelhouse? Exactly. I mean, yeah, he never would. I mean, he just never would, even if he thought it were true, but maybe he would never even think it was I mean, true. Like, Tiger hated
1: Southern Hills. That was one of his greatest victories. Absolutely. He hated Sawgrass. He learned how to win there. I mean, he just he just found a way. I, I think Spieth is a more emotional golfer.
2: I yeah. don't even think he
1: really likes Augusta National that much anymore <laughs> not anymore no but I mean it's true where Tiger looked at it was a chess match and he he just wanted to win the game and you know speed he's complaining he had he already he has some snarky things about this golf course remember you complained famously about Chambers Bay 18th hole he won there he, he won there but um, you know he I think he has he doesn't have that gear where he can trick himself into falling in love with the golf course the way Tiger could
0: Golf and life. How do you fit one into the other? If you ask the USGA, it's pretty easy. It's called play nine. Nine hole golf is time friendly, unwind friendly, friend friendly. It's there's still time to pick up the kids friendly. It's after work friendly. You can even post your nine hole score and it counts toward your handicap every time. There's a lot to love about golf. And when there's less time, the USGA says play nine. Learn more about nine-hole options in your area by going to usga.org slash play9today. And now, back to Alan Shipnuck and Michael Bamberger.
2: What's your feeling, Alan, about the uh, uh, the bro hug, the group bro hug? You know, it's such a big thing in golf now. I and mean, we're seeing pictures of these guys going vacation together endlessly. And... Uh, you know, they're out there in the t-shirts, uh, getting yeah. each other. Do you like it? Do you don't like that? What's your What's you your? You know, old, I must be getting
1: old. I do like kind of the old school hard ass, um, where you shouldn't be so close to your competition. And I kind of I I like the edge. You know, I mean, you know, Tiger and and or well. How about Phil and Vijay almost coming to blows in the Augusta National locker room? That to me is
2: a good golf story. Tiger didn't like unless unless he was going to beat you a hundred times out of a hundred times. Tiger did not like you. Or Tiger and Vijay, you know, on the first tee where um, you know Tiger
1: says to Vijay, "Hey, good luck today." And Vijay says, "Titleist One." You know, that's a, that's I like that vibe. <laughs> yeah, that, that's cool. Yeah, I mean these guys, it's undeniably cute and fun, you know, it's, it's genuine. I, they're not making this up. They have long relationships. They, they, they're all they're all unmarried and hanging out. And, um, and I think it's
2: a statement how much money there is in the game today, uh, that they can all be so chummy with one another when they're playing for that pool. When the pool was more limited, there was a lot less chumminess. But the fact is, well, I was going to say, the fact is there's still only the four majors to win, but maybe they don't take that view because they had the players and they had the uh the Got FedEx Cup events, yeah. again, these World Golf yeah. Championship events. So maybe their thing is, well, you know, there are 12 meaningful events a year. so maybe, There's enough
1: to go around. There's kind enough of thing, to yeah. go around. But I think I think it's probably, you know, quote, unquote, good for golf. You know, it, it's, the interactions on social media, you know, brings this stuff to a whole different audience. I mean, you know, my daughters, who are like tweens and teens on Snapchat, they, you know, who's Ricky Fowler? They, they don't it's on TV in the living room. They walk right past it have no interest, but all of a sudden, you know, it, it, it kind of gets beamed into their world in some way. And, yeah. Um, you know, if you're trying to build bridges to a younger generation of fans, I think what these guys are doing is great, but there is, there is a little like, I would like a little more bitterness. You know, I, it's part of why Patrick Reed is a compelling figure because he's got that edge. He's got an old school edge. Yes, he does. He's not hanging out with those guys. He's not vacationing yeah. with them. No. He spends no time with them away from golf. Yeah. And in some ways, that, that might, Kisner the same. Yeah, Kisner. He know, has friends in golf but not out on
2: tour. Yeah. So, and, he's just gritty, old-school kind of yeah. uh, pro. I was rooting for him. I was a little surprised to see him. You know, he held up for, for three rounds and then, yeah. and then did not today. Looked like he was swinging really largely well, but maybe you not said so much he at the end. He had two
1: super costly mud balls, including the one on 18. Uh, and, you know, I would never know how much to believe on that. He like, made a great swing, and it went 30-yard hook.
2: 30's a lot.
1: 30's a lot. I mean, uh, how big was that patch of mud, Kev? Yeah. But, no, I was rooting for him too, and we were, I was trying to think of who he reminds me of. And I, I was talking to our friend, Jaime Diaz. I said, you know, he kind of reminds me of Rich Beam. He's kind of like uh-huh. a, a guy's guy and just one of the boys, and he has that, that vibe. And I was like, yeah, but he's also he's got a little Curtis Strange in him. Yeah, head. that's good too. Yeah. L- can little, definitely see little that hybrid of those two guys. Yeah,
2: that's interesting. Yeah, he's smart, and I hope he's. A, I think he will be around for a while because smart, great short game. Yeah, you know Gritty, he can pick. Yeah, yeah can win in places like Colonial. This might have been right. too much golf course for him. In the well, end, let, let's just say, wait for one quick minute. How, yeah. how, I think we might have different views here. Well, I'll just say what I felt. I thought the golf course was first rate, absolutely first rate. And I think the PGA Championship, Kerry Haig from the PGA of America, set it up beautifully as a demanding test of golf. And I'm not saying this to be critical of the U.S. Open and the USJ and how they've set up courses of late, but I guess I am because (laughs) this really. Major championship golf should test more aspects of the game than ordinary tour events. That's why we tune in. And this did. It tested everything.
1: Oh, I mean, I agree with that one million percent. And I like when these guys get pushed to the brink, you know, physically, emotionally, spiritually. I mean, that's what, as you say, that's what it's all about. I had a few quibbles with with this course. Uh, I mean, it's just the, the greens are new, right? They were brick hard in places. I mean, you're seeing guys hit... Pitching wedges that were bouncing ten feet high and going over the green. I mean, and that's
2: with all the rain we had. That you know, they, or rain coming in and rain during the, greens the
1: week were too firm. They just weren't accepting good shots. So that 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 can be a little bit of a bummer. You know, today was different. They watered them a ton, and the rain. I mean, they were a foot and a half slower and much softer, and that's why you saw some fireworks. I think they just said, "Okay, it's gotten a little out of hand."
2: And then, but it's amazing because the pin positions were tough in that back nine. I thought, and yeah, uh, it's
1: only because because the greens were softened that they could do that. Yeah, um,
2: so, yeah. It, I think it's very telling when someone like Webb Simpson says, you know, golf course was too hard. Yeah. What does that mean?
1: Well, that's, I mean, so part of it is the greens were so firm you couldn't get to some pins. The ball was just, you just could not stop the ball, even with a sword iron. So, and that's okay. In Lynx golf, you can run it up. But if the, if the flag's behind a bunker and you got to carry it and you land it right next to the flag and it bounces 15 yards over the green, that's not, to me, super good setup. And then the rough was unbelievably thick. Yep. It wasn't, it was long-ish, but it was so, that Bermuda was so thick. Yeah, Well, that it's snaggy. It's, and it's snaggy and it sinks. Just, it it, it sinks. was amazing. It sinks. It, and the ball would just disappear. It was kind of cool to watch the ball just disappear. You know how disheartened the player was, but you, know, like I've, you I've couldn't hit any shots of, out of
2: it. Yeah. Sometimes I'm dismissive of this whole in the gym thing. But if you want to hit it really long like they want to hit it, and you've don't, and you got to be willing to play out of the rough, and you're going to play out of the rough, you've got to be strong. You, you, there's just no ifs, ands, or, or buts about it. You know, And I saw that repeatedly. We all saw that repeatedly over the course of the week.
1: I like the rough to be a half shot penalty. You hit, it, you hit it in there, you have a chance to get up near the green, but you might not be able to hit the shot you want, but maybe you can manufacture something, maybe you get a flyer. To me, this was more like a full shot, because guys were just hacking it out. And you couldn't control it, and it was—it was a lottery, like where the ball, how it sits down, and to me, I like rough,
2: that. I like a lottery. I,
1: okay, well, so we just—I'm yeah. So, yeah. I'm not saying you're right and I'm wrong or vice versa. It's just different. Uh, to me, I like them to be able to play some shots. This was much more. You're in the rough. You're screwed. Take your medicine. I, I, I love
2: I, it when conditions are not uniform. Yeah. I love it when, you know, people say, oh, the, bunker's sand, bunker, the bunker in the sand is different. hole." great. <laughs>
1: yeah. If you
2: figure it out. Get your feet yeah. in there and figure it out. Well, it
1: drives the players crazy. And then the greens, I mean, Cups, I
2: don't like this thing, liners and bunkers. I didn't even know oh, there yeah. was a liner in a bunker until so recently.
1: I know, I'm going to start using it in every bunker shot. Oh, I've got a liner <laughs> under my size 13s. Can I get a free <laughs> drop, please? Can I, like, put it on a tee? Yeah. But, um, and then the greens were so insanely fast, like... I mean, a lot of guys were saying they're the fastest greens have ever seen, and they
2: don't putt Bermuda very much. And they
1: don't. I've never seen Bermuda this fast ever. And yeah. so
2: there was. A I don't lot... even know where they play Bermuda anymore. <laughs> Do they play Bermuda? Colonial? I don't think it's Bermuda. I don't know what's Bermuda, but you don't see Bermuda in much California. Anymore.
1: We just smoke our grass. I, I'm not a grass expert. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. The, um, the putts. It was like it was such defensive putting, and again, it's okay. Don't hit it. Don't hit it up above the hole. But. When the greens are that firm, you're going to be over the hole. So to me, it, it led to a very defensive style of golf. And you're right, in a major, you don't want you do want, you don't want guys to have, be able to swing away. You do want to test them, but it, it was a little too close to the edge where I mm-hmm. felt like they couldn't really it, – it, to me, it diminished skill to some degree. When, when mm-hmm. everyone's just trying to lag it up there and the ball's barely going end over end, and it's more like, you know – And then six
2: feet – well, to me, it reminded me of the Masters circa 1974. <laughs> yeah. You know, they would lag and – it hit the hole, and then they'd be in the water. Yeah. Then you're dropping. <laughs> then you got the red ass. Then yeah. like, I mean, know. I do
1: enjoy seeing the players suffer. I mean, that's fun, and I, I like when they when they come off and they're pissed off and mm-hmm. and they're you know that's what a major is, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: it just went a little over the edge for me.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, and you know me not to be a stat man. Yeah, I wouldn't consider myself a stat yeah. man. I heard one astounding statistic today. You wouldn't really call it a statistic. Yeah. Frankie Molinari, also known as Francesco. Francesco. Is number the number twenty one golfer in the world? <laughs> I love he, this guy, but I did not realize he was the twenty first ranked golfer he's, in the world. He's very consistent.
1: He, he he seems to play pretty well in the WGCs and mm-hmm. get his points. And he pops up with a win on the Euro Tour every now and then. He and just, then he and
2: then he and then he works nights as an undertaker, which
1: a lot of people don't know about. It. He does have that look. I I, I like Frankie. He, he's a good interview. He's very he is very anecdotal. He has a great memory. I mean, he's he's one. Of the, is he still married to the uh,
2: lovely photographer? Did you ever know her? I did not. But oh, I want to hear yeah. more about her. Well, I, this is from years ago, but I suspect he is. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's, who's going to switch things around.
1: What kind of photos?
2: Moody. I think like National Geographic oh, uh, type cool. things. Yeah, yeah, she was she was uh, quite interesting. All right, well, let me let's wrap up with this because yeah. people want to know. You know how curious people Michael, are, Michael. He
1: wants to leave. He's what's, bored.
2: The, what's the on on the Trump story for you? What's that been like for oh. you? Did a great spot on MSNBC the other day with a very skillful interviewer, and you handled yourself uh, uh, very very well. Um, answering questions about Trump. But what's been the fallout for you on that story? And...
1: Well, um, there's been no fallout. No nukes have fallen on Carmel, California, so that's good. Um, no IRS auditors have been in touch from, Yet. from, from
2: 2013. What about Time, Inc. <laughs> auditors? Oh,
1: that's a given. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get every expense gets audited. That, that leads to my favorite Dan Jenkins story, where he's at the British Open, and he buys a hat because it's pouring rain. And he puts on his expense report. You know, it's like a $100 hat. It's like some crazy thing. And, and he submits his expense report. And whoever's in charge says, Dan, you, know, you, can't, you can't expense clothing. I'm sorry. You have to redo your expense report and take the hat out. And so he, he snatches it out of their hand. And he storms off. and He comes back like five minutes later, and he gives them the expense report. It's for the exact same amount, but he's removed the hat. And the person looks at it and says, Dan, where's the hat? He says, you find it. My that's kind of guy. really
2: funny i know that exact same story from my close personal friend davis love the third who did it to golf digest under with an umbrella and uh exact same story exact same punchline but he takes the umbrella off it's, you can't buy an umbrella you need because he's teaching in the rain at a golf digest school or something like that and and the and the accompanying note in this case was find it <laughs> the um, umbrella's out but same, Dan,
1: to go back to your question um yeah, I mean, the, re- the reaction has been great in that, you know, people really liked the story. It created a lot of conversation, obviously. Not that not, no, there was very little pushback other than being subtweeted by the president of the United States. And, um, you know, that, that had that. Well, like, what did
2: it feel like when, when when the president of the United States wrote in a tweet That he did not say that the White House was a dump when your reporter told you. Well,
1: credibly, that he did. To get the all caps, fake news was delicious. You know, that's... Sad! uh, (laughs) No, fake news! (laughs) And, you know, I must have gotten a thousand texts from people like, you finally made it? Uh, You know, so that was amusing. I knew he said it. I knew people who had heard him say it. I had kept reporting. I found other people who, who were there when he said it. it. It was so rock solid. I never really worried, but it's it's not ideal. However, that was a, a week where all kinds of things he had said were being called into question by the Boy Scouts, by everyone else. I think... Even the most ardent Trump supporter would probably admit that sometimes he's a little slippery with, um, <laughs> with the truth. And so, you know, if Barack Obama called me out, I might be more worried. He doesn't have a history of that. For for Donald Trump, it's just kind of
2: it comes and goes in one news cycle. But I know with, on a personal basis that "dump" is one of his favorite words. Uh, yeah, because uh, I, I, I'm very fond of Nicholas. Uh, Trump is now, but earlier he, at one point in his career, he was he was feuding with him. And uh, and I told Trump how much I like this uh, course. Have I told you this? This course in North Palm Beach. No. Have I told you this before? And uh, it's a public course that in North Palm Beach that Trump uh, reworked. I'm surprised we haven't played it together. No, but, but Nicholas reworked. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. sorry. Nicholas reworked. You said Nicholas. Trump. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Nicholas yeah. reworked. So so Trump says to me one day, Oh, Michael, I went over and played that uh, that Nicholas uh, public course. I put on a disguise and uh, <laughs> I, I bought my little ticket and I walked around. That place is a dump you know nothing about golf if you like that so i do the vocabulary is not a rich one but dump is one of yeah, his words no, I,
1: absolutely well okay we need to end on a different note let's just end on the pga no that's all right we're done
2: no as you wish let's <laughs> end on the pga yes I only, I only have became, you ever held the Wanamaker trophy
1: not a not it's in full girth i think i've had a hold of a handle once but do you know for whom
2: it is named um Mr. Wanamaker? Mm-hmm, that's
1: correct. <laughs> is there more to the story?
2: <laughs> no. It's a Philadelphia department store name, Wanamaker's of lore. I mean, it's an interesting,
1: going back to your question, which would you rather tote around for a year? The big mofo Wanamaker trophy or that little wine thingy, the claret jug? I mean, it's the worst trophy in sports, right?
2: The little wine thing, no question. <laughs> not that it's not a great championship. But it is a great championship. And, uh, and, I'm happy for them. I, 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 look, a lot of these people, these 28,000 men and women of the PGA of America, a lot of them are in our lives and make our lives better. And uh, I'm happy for them. They had a great championship. Um, I think this golf course uh, uh, held up well. Well, we've only got this one next year for for August championships, and then right, 19 thank goes... you,
1: Allah, because yep, I was sweating in the shade here, just standing yep. still. I mean, I they li- got lucky with the weather. It could
2: have been way worse.
1: And it was where bad. I Live because when it gets above sixty-six degrees, I'm yep. miserable. You melt. You melt. I bring get get me back to the fog. This, I mean, yep. It's hard on the spectators. Yep. It's hard. It's hard on the volunteers.
2: Yep. I mean, it's good for sales of those machines that produce the cool, I mean, damp fog. If you <laughs> whatever those things are called, the cool was, damp fog machines. Yeah,
1: I got a lot of people tickets here because I have family and friends in Charlotte, and none of them had been in a golf tournament before. They're very very casual fans, and debriefing them afterwards, like, man, that was miserable. You know, the, their idea of going to sporting event is, you go to an NBA game where it's air-conditioned, yeah. and you sit in your seat and people bring you food.
2: Yeah, or Duke basketball. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. It's like, it's rough, so yeah. I'm, I'm personally excited. I'd yeah. be curious what it means to all these venues and you have so many podcasts to talk about. That Michael, we don't have to worry about it. All right, Alan. Right. thank you for being here. Delighted to do it uh, to the listeners. Thank you for uh, for suffering through this. I will tell you that I'm heading out to the first FedEx Cup event on Long Island, and I've got a bunch of podcasts lined up with non-Bambergers. So uh, he's been it's been fun this summer when it's hard to get guys because they don't really talk at a major, and we appreciate your service, Michael. But we're going to demote you for at least a month for some other people in golf but as always thanks for listening this was great fun this is uh alan Shipnuck signing off
2: from quail hollow